Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and Carlton have beaten the top of the table pies by 17 points in what could be a season-defining win for the Blues. My co-host, as you all know, Lockie, he is living it up in sunny Europe at the moment. I have actually managed to track him down. I got him to record me a little bit of a clip, so I'll, I'll put that in somewhere throughout this episode. Very keen for you to finally hear from Lockie, but a big win. It's called for a big occasion and a big guest. I'm very excited to introduce my guest this week. You'll probably know him from Blue Abroad. He's my favorite part of the fan cams every single week. He's also appeared on the Jumper Punch. It is, of course, the great Jad, mate. Thanks for joining me. How are you going? Thanks, mate. Oh, mate, I am cloud nine. And after that pump up, it's just getting worse. That, that ego is out of control right now, mate. <laughs> Oh, that's good to hear. Good to hear. It's hard to be upset at the moment as a Carlton supporter. It's one of those weird things, just how much it dictates your mood. Like even today, work was pretty average, but it didn't matter because of just how good the Blues are going. And you're just waiting for one person to just ask you about it and talk footy this week. It's it's just incredible. Mate, uh, I actually had work at 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Oh. So I left the G. Yeah, I left the G. Uh, I was so like, just couldn't think straight, caught the wrong train, um, finally got home at like one and then I started watching the replay and then mate, it got to like four o'clock, I, just, I thought shit, I better get, better get a little bit of sleep, went to work on less than an hour and it was the easiest <laughs> non-sleep 6am shift I've ever done. Oh. That's beautiful. Uh, it, it's just <laughs> what it does and look, it's a big episode so we've got to start with a big question because... We've just beaten the best team, I guess you can call it that. Didn't look at on Friday night. I think we're the best team at the moment. But the so-called best team, top of the table, arch rivals Collingwood, it was massive. So this question is, what does this win mean? Because it's massive. And I want to know in a couple of different contexts. And that is, what did this win mean to you as a fan? What do you think it means for this group? And then what do you think it means in the context of this season? All right. Well, look, for for the fan, for me, and maybe for a lot of other people, I think it makes that six years or that seven-year rebuild, I think it makes it worth it, and I think it proves that maybe we didn't stuff it up. Yeah. That's what I think. It, 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 it gives me that faith that what everything we went through is actually was worth it, and it's gonna it's gonna come good. We did we weren't wasting our time, and mate, I I I lost complete faith. I gave up. I had everyone sacked. <laughs> I had trade bait. I had everything. So the best humble pie I've ever had. Yeah, and then oh. um yeah go. Oh, I was just gonna say, I like feel so similar. I just. I go back to the mid-season review that Lockie and I were recording in that, that Sydney loss, that Essendon loss, where you know, off-pod Lockie and I are genuinely having conversations of like, why? what are we doing? Is it is it worth us doing this? Does anyone want to even listen to us continually talking about how bad it was? The mid-season review, we spent almost two hours talking about all the list changes that we're going to make at the end of the season because it was the only thing giving us any hope of just blow everything up, start again, let's go and... Yeah, this kind of win, it does. It just makes that feeling, that final few moments when you realise that the victories 
happen, it just makes everything worth it, all that pain. And it's insane to think that from just a regular season win, but that's just what a win against Collingwood does and a win against such a good team, a, a massive scalp that we just seem to never do. Yeah, man. And, and like you mentioned that just then, like the reactions of people, I, I did think to myself at some point, uh, are we overreacting to this? Like, is, is it that significant? And every time, every time I even like say it out loud like that, I, you know, I get that feeling in my gut that just says, shut your mouth, Jed, like stop trying to, stop trying to, you know, take some shine off it. Like, I think this was hugely significant. And that, that leads into your second, the second part of that question. What does it do for the group? I think they know that they're good enough and I think that it, it, it proves to them that they're made of the right stuff. They're made of the right, mm-hmm. made of the right stuff. And it, looking at them, they just look sick of losing. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to disagree. And I think that when I was sort of looking at this and, and writing that question and trying to think of my answer myself, all I could think about was what other scalps have we had? What other scalps has this group had in recent times? And the one I can think of was, you know, early this year, round two against Geelong, where I remember thinking, that's the one. Okay, we had the draw against Richmond, but we've, we've held on to one in, in a tight finish. Has that exercised the demons of that Collingwood game round 23? We've held on. We've beaten the reigning premiers. This is it. And then all of a sudden... Turns out Geelong aren't playing that good of football. We don't go on with it. We end up having the worst probably part of a season that we've had in years, even though we've had some shocking years. And it's kind of it. Oh, like we've, that, The context of this win is off the back of a massive five weeks, winning each of those games by over 50 points, which is already massive. But how many asterisks were on every single one of those wins? It was uh, it's only a, a bottom of the table West Coast, uh, who cares? Ports rested their whole team. Every single one of those games, everyone was making the excuses and not justifying that Carlton have turned their season around and we're finally a good team. And I think that you could easily have excused a loss to Collingwood, okay? Best team in the comp at the moment. You've had a good run. Yeah, you can lose one. You, what, two games we're allowed to lose for the rest of the season and still make finals. You sort of pencil in Collingwood as the one you'll allow, but... If we lost to Collingwood, the doubts remain. The question's still going to get asked. Even us fans, we're still probably not going to buy in and believe 100% that, yeah, we can do this. this. This Carlton's changed and we can be a team that not only makes finals but can do some damage. And this was the scalp. They had to go out there and show it. And for them to do it, like, it still doesn't guarantee finals. It may just be a regular season win. But for this to just be that exclamation point on this five, week run now it's six weeks god who knows how far we can go now and that's just crazy that one win has done that for us yeah we'll go back to that geelong game that you brought up like mate like even even though we won that like oh don't get me wrong i i had the same opinion opinion as you i thought wow this is it finally but there was still that thing, like that question in the back of the mind, like, look how we're playing. It's not – it wasn't that impressive. It wasn't – I don't know. There was just something about it that just seemed – it wasn't the, the football that we thought we were going to be playing, even though we got those wins. And um, and then the weeks went on, and then uh, we had that huge win against West Coast, uh, the first one. Mm. And 
I had, mate, I hated that win. I, I don't know because I saw the game. I, I, uh, I watched it after I got home from work, so the emotion was a bit removed for me. And the way they were playing in that game, I hated it, mate. I can't lie to you. I was disgusted. And I, I, I've got, and I was messaging people like Terry and Palm and all those sort of guys. I'm just like, mate, this is garbage. And then, but then you compare that loss with the way, um, that, sorry, you compare that win with the way we beat um, who Frio. Mm. Um, you get worlds apart, like absolutely worlds apart. The football is so much better. And um, look, I, I, in my mind, I bookmarked that Frio game because I was going to ask you a question. Um, because for me, this whole thing became real. Like mm. when I started to think, wow, this is actually real, was that Frio game. Like I was so pumped at that game just because of the football we were playing. So when did, in, in these six weeks, when did you think it was real? When did you really start to believe and think, damn, this is actually different? Yeah. Oh, the, the Frio one was definitely big because we win that. I didn't maybe expect us to. Like there was still hope at this stage. We win that game yeah. over there. They were up and down in form at that stage, but it was the it was the way we went about it, like you're talking about. It wasn't just the scoreboard and the fact that we beat them by over 50 points and just dominated the, the whole game. It was the method about it. But even then, I still had doubts, and it really probably was that Port Adelaide game where it was finally a good team. And there's the excuses of the, the players that were injured or rested, but it didn't matter again because this was if we had just won that game, still playing that football, but it was like, say, 17 points, like like maybe the Collingwood, you'd be like, nah, we needed to do more. The fact that we foot on the throat, beat Port Adelaide in the manner we did, that's when I went, okay, we can kind of do this to anyone. And, and I guess going into this Collingwood game, there wasn't that confidence yet. It, there's still There were still those question marks that we're sort of talking about going into this game. But there was more of a belief that, yeah, we're a good chance. If we just play the way we have been, why can't we beat Collingwood? Why can't we beat anyone? Mm. And I think now for me, it's really cemented in this that, yeah, we can back it up. This method works. What about you? Was it was that the Frio game that sort of really started that belief for you? Yeah, look, honestly, it was. And I'm not trying to, you know, have an, um, like say, oh, I knew back then because I all I knew back then was, or that I could feel back then was it was it was genuinely different and it wasn't because of the opposition. That was a big one for me. I didn't think it was Frio were bad, Hawks were bad, Gold Coast were bad. Like, sure, those teams aren't playing well, but I think you could still take out positives in the way we played. You don't really have to look at the opposition because you, you can compare those performances to earlier in the year and it's day and night, honestly. The handball chain... The, uh, the the poking through zones with short, sharp kicks, the handball receives, the, the go, the go, you know, the tackling, everything. The, the way our forwards are making space inside 50. Um, so that, that Frio game, I was really pumped. I was so, so pleased because, you know, it was in Perth, all the excuse in the world to lose. Frio were down at the time. Um, so you probably thought, oh, this could be the game where Frio gets some form back. But we, we, we absolutely slaughtered them, put them to the sword. Yeah, and, and those yeah, and, have been a massive thing for me as well, like the Freer game as well, where we just come out hot with the pressure. I think that's been a big change in 
why this feels so real and why this is such, like you're talking about, such a contrast from what we've seen at the start of this season and and really Carlton for most of the, the this rebuild anyway. I feel like we've never come out as that strong team from the get-go, from the first bounce. It Sometimes it's been there, but it fades. And this has been that four quarters every single time. Yeah, spot on. This That is so true. That This little patch of ours, it, it feels like there's a, there's like a, a thing, analogy, not an analogy, but sort of a, yeah, an, an analogy. This is the uh, how I wanted to put it. So we're fine. We are finally becoming that team. We are, we are fully properly leaving rebuild phase, young team phase. We're, we're actually becoming what I think is going to be a threat in the coming years. We, we will be spoken about in that top six to top four mold going forward. That doesn't mean we're going to win the flag this year. But that's mm. that is the significance that I place on this on this six week patch. Like this, like I think I said it to to someone on another channel. Like this is the beginning of what we all dreamt that this group could do. Mm. Like it, it feels like it's the, just the start. Yeah, there's there's just a maturity around the performance. Like you're making me think back to like that West Coast game that we did win, and earlier in the year that it felt like that could have been the start of something just because of the the scoreline of it but you're making me like double think about it and yeah there was so many different little moments in that that still weren't perfect it was it felt like yeah that was west coast whereas this time mm. you even think about the way that we decimated just west coast again it was it was completely different and it just feels like this group have finally clicked finally matured and and it brings us to talk about this game this game against collingwood so good. <laughs> there's gonna be so much to talk about this podcast could go for about seven hours i'm excited to get into it so what were those key kind of standout moments what were the key takeaways for you from that game what what do you want to talk about oh mate where do, where do you start <laughs> look, look firstly look I'll, I'll probably let's start at the build-up um mm. just the journey into the city um it just it reminded me that football, whether the rest of the league likes it or not, it is about Carlton versus Collingwood. If we all go extinct one day and a new species finds some tape and they put it in and they watch it, they're going to see and they find it's an AFL tape, they're going to see the Carlton stripe, the Collingwood stripes and the Carlton jersey, sorry, on the G, packed crowd playing footy. That's what it's about, mate. I got on the train. It was packed early. Collingwood everywhere, few Carlton, and I'm sitting there going in, and you know, you look around the train, you you, you catch eyes with people, and I'm telling you, you could feel there is a genuine resentment and hatred there mm. amongst these two fan bases, young and old, and uh, it was for the first time since probably 2008, I really felt that again between the two, like it's a genuine, genuine dislike there. And that got you know me pumped. And yeah, you yeah. know it's big. You know it's big when like I've got a lot of mates that are Collingwood supporters, and I don't want to talk to them in the week leading up. Like <laughs> I, I will disown them as a friend until that final whistle goes, because I just I just can't stand it. They don't become my friends anymore. It's it's, it's insane what it does. Mate, yeah. So I, I went to the G. I met up with two two mates. So one of them's a Richmond mate, the other one's a Collingwood, and I made sure that he set the Richmond mate sat in the middle. Because I needed some separation from from the other bloke, like it, it's just not going to happen. And uh, you mentioned earlier, like we could have been forgiven for losing this game, and may, maybe that is true. You know, 
um, inside the club and AFL, the AFL world. But when I walked into that G, mate, and I saw those Collingwood fans, and on that train, I thought to myself, I cannot stomach a loss today. Yeah. Like, I do not want to leave here losing. I, it, can't, it just can't happen. Like, for my, for my sake, for our, for the fan, you know. Couldn't imagine leaving that G after losing by 30 points and nah. Mm. So it's just destiny had its way and uh, got it done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember in the build-up <laughs> through the game as well, like having conversations with the people asking, like, how do you think you go? What's 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 going to happen? And I had the, the thought, and, and maybe I was just trying to convince myself this, because the amount of times I kept saying the words, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I was definitely one of those people saying, feels like a bit of a free hit because we all kind of penciled this in as a loss. And it's just, it's strange how as soon as there's a couple minutes before that bounce goes and you start to get ready, it's just that feeling of, no, I can't do it. We can't lose. This is, this is it. And you start to go back to all those questions of, if we lose this, there's still going to be doubts. No one's going to believe that this has happened. And we, we talk about those hot starts and us needing to do it. Collingwood kind of got the jump on us early. And there was kind of a, maybe some worrying signs in those first couple of minutes where they've got the ascendancy in the contested ball. They've got those clearances. They put it on the scoreboard and it's, oh, wow. This is maybe, maybe we aren't just there yet. Maybe we've still got some good parts of us, but it's not there. And, and I think to start off with, I was just so impressed with how he responded in that first quarter. The, the Carlton of old, the Carlton earlier this season, even in around 23 game, we struggled to get into the game. But us, to, we, we slowly started to win the clearances, slowly started to get that contested ball, won the territory game and go in at quarter time level. And all of a sudden, the game is back to how it started after that quarter time and all their dominance early means nothing. And I think that was just the start of this. And that felt like just a ma maturity that I haven't seen so far this year. Yeah, well I, well, I won't lie to you. That first what five, eight minutes, I was, um, yeah. I was, uh, I was fearing the worst. I'm sure we all were. But it, look, it's it's amazing the things that you kind of process once the game's over and a couple of days have passed. Like, uh, like, like now looking back on the game, like when we got level in that first quarter or when we went behind, yeah. you could now that now there's been a couple of days, the body language was different. It was very, very calm. No one was sagging off. No one looked stressed. No one slumped their shoulders. It was, it was you know, get to work. Mm. And, and that's that maturity you're speaking of. They, um, they just look like there's no fear anymore. Mm. Like There's no fear. They're going to stick to their system and it is going to get them through. Yeah, there's so much less panic, it feels. Like even when Collingwood throughout this game, when they bought pressure, whenever they brought anything, no, it didn't matter. We just kept and we stuck to it. We knew it's like we finally know what the task is. We've all bought in. We finally can all understand it and we just continually go about it. And and that was kind of one of my favorite parts in in this whole game. And that I said there was there couldn't be any excuses about this game, particularly because we had outs in this. We played a full strength Collingwood team, but now the rhetoric is, oh, Collingwood had an off night. Collingwood just didn't play well. And it's just so funny that that's just the sookie response that comes out of it because it all stems from we did not allow Collingwood 
to play their way. That was my key takeaway that I couldn't believe. And it feels like such a, a contrast to everything. How many times do we step up to one of these games and they, the opposition stop us playing the way that we want to play. It's never the other way around. And for us to, to slow Collingwood down, to set up well defensively, force them wide with short kicks constantly. We let them have the wing out wide, no danger. And then we forced them to make stupid decisions. They had to take on that kick on the 45. We'd intercept, we'd put the pressure on, block that corridor. It just, it created so many intercept opportunities. It was so much easier to defend and positioned so well around the, the ground. The work rate was up. I think the high half forwards and those guys really, really need a lot of credit for this victory because we stopped those quick, easy exits that Collingwood have just allowed off turnover to just destroy teams through the middle. And I just thought our pressure was just immense in that. What did you kind of make of our ability to stop Collingwood's strengths and their sort of handball change through the middle? The, the, take away, the takeout for me for that is elite coaching. I have I have ridden these coaches to death this year, <laughs> and but that mate, that the, you could just see the way we stopped them, as you said, exploding off halfback, handball chain through the guts, uh, just screamed to me of elite planning and elite coaching, mm. and the boys have bought in, and mate, I, I just love seeing Collingwood try and take that 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 center. Um, you know, explode through the middle. And I just love seeing our boys get a hand in, get a fist in, stop that next handball train. They had they had no space. Like, there was no space for anyone. Maybe once I saw Nick Dacos get a little, you know, a little burst of six metres on someone. Maybe maybe once or twice I saw that. But we completely nullified them. And it, the takeaway is just fantastic mm. planning and coaching. Just just unbelievable. Yeah, no, they definitely need massive credit because we've all knocked them incredibly over this season. And I think it's definitely been fair because of what we were seeing and what they were doing. We weren't setting up in a way that seemed to play to our strengths, but turnaround in this game, like that pressure, that work rate, the positioning, there was a physicality about the performance, which is what Vossi said everything would be built on. And I feel like early last year we saw glimpses of it and then it sort of faded away through this year but that's back and that was such a massive thing stopping Collingwood's strengths is we made them earn every single possession they knew that we'd be there immediately and when they were going through those quick handball chains if we didn't get a hand on it like you were saying we'd we'd body the opposition and then they'd be half a step away or half a second off being that next chain in that handball. And it just caused Collingwood to, to not be under that kind of pressure. And I've never seen so many uncharacteristic Collingwood mistakes, unforced errors from the pressure, from the perceived pressure. That hasn't happened all year. And it was great to see the fumbles, the missed kicks, the poor decision-making. And you just look at the numbers if you need to. Ten more tackles. For us, when it felt like we dominated the possession again, six more tackles inside 50. It's just incredible to see that physicality that you hoped would be our identity, but now it feels like it finally is. It, it's look, it, it it's it's back. <laughs> it's back in a big way. Um, and I love that. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, you hear a lot of the older heads talk. Um, about like great Carlton teams of old, and they all say physical, brutal. 
Um, you know, they use words like that get thrown around. And um, it's so good to see that Voss has looked – from day one, he, he did say that, mm. physicality, power. Um, so it's just – it's so good to see. And I, I loved how – I don't know if you felt this way, but Collingwood looked spooked a little yeah. bit. They they are they shirked a few contests. Little Nicky Dacos. Um, oh, oh, oh. How many times did that man? And look, great footballer. Right? Has been playing good football all year. But my God, you could rattle off about 15 times that the ball was there to be won and poor Nicky Dacos took a step back. It was, I love it. Right. And, and I kind right. of have a question off that. Which, sorry yeah. to cut you off there. But no, 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 no. More a plan to get physical with Dacos because there's a moment I remember where it was a stoppage. Dacos is all of a sudden going to the umpire, you know, whinging over a free kick that wasn't paid. Cripper immediately into him. Yeah. So many times, Cripper with, with Maynard that get the one that's all over Twitter where oh, I love it. Fully getting into Motlop and Cripper just goes, no, no, mate. And he just he shoots himself <laughs> and walks away. And felt like he's, there was such a, a physical presence for us. We even gave away probably a few free kicks for the late bumps. One that definitely wasn't there, but I liked that the intensity was there. Do you feel like this was a plan from the coaches and from the playing group that to beat Collingwood, you've got to show this physical side that maybe other teams haven't shown Collingwood? Yeah, it, it has to be. And I think it's it's like just sitting, trying to put the coach's hat on. It's like, look, Collingwood do things better than we can. Like we mm-hmm. can't get close in some areas. But what we what is our one wood? What is our, what's our strength? Physicality. And just bring it. And I think it's like, boys, go out there, be as hard and tough as you can. And if if they can't handle it, they can't handle it. Mm. Let's invite them, invite them to the party and we'll see if they like it. And they didn't. I, that was unbelievable. And I think that's why you get that sort of rhetoric that oh Collingwood were a bit were a bit off. But mm. I think if if you if you really analyze that, that's a really big compliment to us because that just shows that the media and whoever is saying that that no other team has been able to do that to them in the entire year. So they can talk all the shit they want, but they had no excuse, no reason, nothing, nothing tangible to suggest that they were off. I'm sorry, there's nothing there. The only thing is what we brought. We invited them to the dinner table. They couldn't stomach it. Simple as that. Move on. Yeah, and it's a full-strength Collingwood. If, if anyone wants to make any excuses, no Harry, no Kennedy, no Walsh, no Silvani, Chera, the best player on the ground by far at halftime. Third quarter goes off, subbed out. If one team can make excuses if they want, and it's it's not Collingwood. Yeah, no, no, it's unbelievable. The only other seeming contender at that stage, Port Adelaide, in Adelaide, what was it, their first time they actually had to travel interstate all season. So it was a little bit too yeah. tough. It's it's just ridiculous. And yeah, like the other key point that I really had for this one is the big thing I want to talk about. We kind of alluded to was talking about that contest and that domination in that area, because look, Collingwood's game, they're not built on the contest there. It's everything after that. And they don't need the high contested numbers to win games of footy, but the contest was where this game was won. And that's, what's also Maybe we're getting too ahead of ourselves, but it's the thing that's getting me excited about this brand of football because it's built around the contest, but it showed in this that 
it can beat the uncontested surge football because of everything that that pressure brings. We had 33 more contested possessions, 10 more clearances is what it allowed. And that's our strength. The contest has been our strength. And I thought that finally, what is bringing the contested side out of us is the pressure because the only way to create a contest, to create a stoppage is by the pressure, is by the tackling and the way we tackled, we hunted. We worked around the ground incredibly well. We created those stoppages that allows us to finally play to our strengths. And that's a big key that I think has been missing for us wanting to play this contested side. We haven't bought the tackles, haven't bought the pressure. And at the end of the day, our desire to win the football was higher than Collingwood's throughout. What did you kind of make of the contested side being able to beat what Collingwood were bringing? Um. Oh, look, I'm super, super happy and pleased with it because, look, I've always been of the thought, maybe because it's the era of footy that I grew up with, but I always used to hear this, contest in finals, contest is king. Yeah. I've heard that all my life and it's fantastic for us because the coaches want and the players want a, want a game style that can actually take you somewhere. They can win finals. This is what fucking mate, mate. This style of footy is made for finals. This is what it's yeah. about. And and the thing for Collingwood is like, um, maybe it's not really Carlton related, but I think we've like you've got David King and all these personalities saying it's actually a win for Collingwood. Oh, they've actually unearthed a little gem putting Jeremy Howe forward. Oh, it's actually good for them. Ah, oh, but I look at it the other way. This is a massive chink for them because. If they cannot elevate the contest side of their game in finals, they're going to find it very difficult to get somewhere. That might sound crazy to people because they have been so dominant. It's not that they can't do it, but I think if I was fly, I'd be pretty concerned that Mm. the contest side of my game just got destroyed and has got shown up by Carlton and Mm. heading into finals. I think that would be a real worry for him. And for us, it's just it's it's excellent because this is what gets you there. This is what takes you there. Mm, no, it, it's impressive because they play that surge football that a lot of teams are trying to copy. And when teams get momentum on you, it's it is hard to stop. And for us to show that we can take the ball away from you, and when oppositions don't have the ball they seem to not be able to get back into it. You look at what we did with Port, who's another more contested side as well. You take that away, you start to win the football. You can't do anything. And it feels like we're adding these layers and it's it's unfortunate that a Walsh goes down and then and a Chera goes down because it feels like these guys were adding so much more run to the outside. But they go down and other guys step up. And, and that's just another tick from this game that, you know, Paddy Dow comes in and, and has a bit of a cameo performance in, Look, he wasn't perfect again, but what he did was win the clearances and do the job that he had to do. And you're getting guys like Cunningham pushing up around the ground. Jack Martin is the big one that I'd love to talk about at some stage throughout this, but other guys are stepping up. We're not just having to rely on the individuals, but you know, in games like this, you still need those guys to step up and our leaders are, are finally coming to the table as well. Um, what were the other key kind of takeaways for you from this game? Uh, just, just a little one, mate. Uh, Charlie Kerno. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, 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 mate. The way, the way he 
exposed Darcy Moore. He's triggered think, a whole thing. Um, oh, I think he's triggered the league as well. He's triggered every media personality that wants to give more All-Australian honours for bloody being a good intercept mark. I mean, this guy has staked his flag in the ground and now he's like, no, 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 no. I'm the new king. This is Charlie's world. And good Lord. And I think as well, uh, it just shows you how valuable weedering is. Mm. I, earlier in the year, mate, I, I wrote him off. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't think anyone did knew what was wrong with him. He looked so cooked. And now he's just showing that who he is again. Uh, the general, the, I, I saw a piece of vision on Twitter where it, the game was over and he's screaming at someone because they, they didn't set the zone up properly, yeah. like Stephen Mayesque, like swinging his arms. How are you doing? Like, I just love to see it. It's no surprise that our form coincides with his return to, mm. to, to the weedering that we all that we all know. And I don't even know if you saw the, I think it was a quote from McGovern somewhere. I, I saw it written. I didn't actually hear it, but it was something like McGovern was smiling and he was telling, um, we might have oh, actually, yeah, yeah. Himself, it was like, yeah, he was telling Weedering to smile. And he's like, no, job's not done. And it's like, yeah. that is all you want to hear from these guys. And it just, it shows the difference between these kind of defenders and, and probably the class. Like Darcy Moore can do things that, not many other defenders can do. And he's so vital for Collingwood's drive from his intercepts. But you make him actually have to defend. And look what happens. Another thing that Carlton haven't been able to do, my big question mark going into this game was, what are we doing with Darcy Moore? Because it feels like every time we come up against a really good intercept mark, we just play into their game style. We give them easy marks. We kick it to them the whole time. How are we going to change that? And for once, we finally exploited the weakness of the opposition, made him have to defend one-on-one, and, and Charlie just had them. It, they didn't know what to do, and it was just incredible that this guy, he's so far and away the best forward in the competition. He's close to the best player in the competition because, yeah, a couple of times got the better, but he's out of position so many times. And because you're worrying about him, you give away a free kick you shouldn't, or he gets in front, he gets the ball to ground, or he takes the mark. What are you going to do? You're going to have to give away a free kick at some stage because he's either you're either doing that or he takes the mark. And the, the yeah, six mate, can you imagine trying to stand on him? Sorry, sorry to cut you oh, off. Okay. Sorry. Can, can you imagine trying to stand on him? How? What, what do you do? He's got speed for a forward. He's got the leap. He, he's... He's scary to look at. Have you, have you looked at him properly? He's, he's, he's a physical specimen. It's not a normal human. Mm. Oh, so good. And, look, the thing, the thing about Charlie, there's a point I want to bring up about, about Charlie and then another one about the boys, um, is that we're seeing now the end of Buddy. Mm. Okay? Well, Buddy's at the end, okay? And the, why this is so exciting for us is that I think this is really the beginning of Charlie. He had the injuries he was he was the young star coming up, right? But now I think he's he's finally here. This is this is his Tom Hawkins emergence. This is his Jeremy Cameron emergence. You know, this is the, his buddy Franklin emergence. This is the start, and we better enjoy it, mate, because before long, it's going to be the end of Charlie, and we're, we're going to be asking, oh, can he get up this week? Can the old boy go again? Can he get us over the line one more time? He's near the end. 
So I think everyone, we just got to admire it, enjoy it, because it's the beginning. And before we know it, he'll be in Buddy's spot and we'll be celebrating the, the champion that was Charlie Kerno. So, yeah. Oh, I love the, I love the point because it, it makes me think as well, like seeing the Prendercast boys tweeting about Mark Murphy and it just does make you think like, wow, <laughs> it was only a couple of years ago that all of a sudden you go, wow, but the bloke from my childhood that was one of the first players I remember stepping into the doors and seeing his whole career play out and it went like that so quickly and it can again. And I wonder as well with Charlie at the moment, Obviously, he's had an incredible season, backing up a Coleman last year. But you'll wonder through this little patch as well, now that Harry's not there with him, whether he's thinking, I have to really step up even more. And I have to take my game to another level as well. Because now I'm the focal point. There's no other real key focal point in this forward line. You know, we, we had Sauce that was helping, but now he's injured. Now it's DeConing that has to go down there to chop out as the only other tall. He's playing on two, three defenders. And he's still dominating them. But I have not seen a player do what Charlie is doing in this generation where it feels like defenders have a bit more of an advantage because of the way you're able to set up and you're not getting the ball out in such distance and space. He's doing it with four blokes all over him and still taking the mark or winning the free kick. He's just an he's just a superstar. I think yeah, look, that's a that's a that's a great point. And it, it may be because Harry's not there. Charlie has matured, I think, before our eyes, and he's actually doing more selfless acts. Mm. Our small forwards and half forwards are more evolved than I've ever seen them in this team. And and you, you can see, and I think it's in the work that he's doing. He's doing a lot of selfless stuff, you know, the, the front and centres, um, bringing it to ground, maybe leading the best defender away sometimes. I think, I think the absence of Harry has woken him up and he's like, okay, I can't do this on my own every week. I'm going to have to bring boys with me. And I think he thrives on that now. I, just hearing him speak, he's a bit of a leader now. Um, so, mate, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. We've got to enjoy it. And another one who we've got to almost enjoy because at any stage there could be some muscle tightness to this man's calves any part of his body and he might not play for a couple of weeks jack martin but wow Wow. this is yeah (laughs) jack martin we all hoped we would get and he's been incredible comes in and he's someone that has just added so much to this forward line in so many different ways and you speak of the selfless things that was something that i noticed on the replay watching that i didn't on the first viewing the little times that charlie needs a chop out and he's there putting on blocks and he's been giving away a couple of free kicks with it, but he's doing it and he's trying to give Charlie the space. And then to add the three goals at five marks to be another target in that forward line. It's the pressure he's bringing everything Jack Martin is doing, working everywhere. It deserves a massive, massive shout out because he's probably been one of the most maligned players out there. I've given it to him throughout the years of just wanting to see more from him because we've known the talents there, but I don't feel like the application has been, but I mean, what are you making of Jack Martin so far since he's sort of come back into this team and, and what do you think him and the likes of Cunningham and Fogarty are adding to this forward mix right now? Hmm. Well, look, I think, I think Martin's talent is he's proven it now. Like it's he—he's the reason Sauce works so hard to get him out of Gold Coast, and um, 
I, th- I think these boys, I think that talent has always been there, especially with Martin and Cunningham. But I think they, they're actually maybe benefiting from a better system now. Mm. Like they, they, these guys are more like cream, cream of the crop players. And I think what, whatever Vossi and the boys have, um, have implemented is really allowing them to flourish. Um, we just hope they stay fit, man. And they've just given us class, reliability. They hold their structures well. They know where to be. Silky smooth, beautiful ball use. Um, yeah, I, I think I think they're really benefiting from a much simpler and fo- uh, easy to follow system. They all look like they know what they're doing. They know what the next move is. They know what to do, when to do it. The ball spills here. I know. I know who I'm giving it to. I know who's running beside me. Just just that connection piece. That's yeah. Those boys are bloody phenomenal and Fogarty. Oh, I'm not going to forget the fog, mate. I love the little nugget. Pressure hits blokes, hits bodies, and I think it's rubbing off on Motlop a bit as well. I haven't seen Jesse Motlop lay tackles like that. The one, the one where he pounced on Cameron. <laughs> that was that was a monster. That there was so yeah. many of those little moments. Like Ollie Holland's had a couple as well, where like the guy is so skinny and so small, you don't expect him to be able to lay those kind of tackles, but they do. And it's just that spread from every single person that I think last year, if if Cunningham was into the team, there'd be much more of a magnifying glass on him. Same with Jack Martin. You'd be really looking into his performance and being like, how many touches did he get? What did he actually do this week? Whereas obviously it helps when you're winning games of football, but it doesn't seem like we're worrying about what each individual is doing and who maybe needs to get dropped this week, who needs to come in. It isn't about the individual. It's about that system that you're speaking about and that everyone knows their role. And you could, it, obviously you can't to a degree, but it feels like you can plug in different players and you're getting that same output. And there is this competition for spots where a guy like Motlop he wasn't in that team, and now every single time he's in there, he's fighting for it. And you're seeing the passion from him and always that that in itself just needs to be highlighted as well. What, what did you make of the passion and the Let's, grabbing of the jumper from those um, lads? I'm so glad you said that because let me let's just cast your mind back round 23 last year. We all know what happened. Whatever, whatever. You see, uh, little tough man Josh Dacos post a picture of one of our lovely supporters and capture night night and you know our boys are shattered but from a fan's point of view all we hear is silence you know mm. pre-season starts they don't want to talk about it yeah we know what happened and blah 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 but you know like uh, sorry if i'm rambling a bit but Go you know it. as a fan you want them to care like you care about the rivalry mm. and about losing to these teams and, and and maybe for a while we all thought maybe they don't care maybe it is just a job Maybe it is just the job for them and they don't feel that heat. But seeing their reactions, man, on the siren, uh, seeing those the emotion from Saad, I never see Saad react like that. You know, the hair, fists in the air, cripple, all of them, their reactions. And then and it just proves to you that, I'm just, that they care. I'm so happy that it is not just the job. Footy is has this intangible sort of, you know, tribalism to it. And it's more than just stats. It's more than results. You know, it's, you know what I mean? It's that feeling they care. And uh, and then Jesse Motlop posts a picture of, um, of himself. Uh, what was it? The only way is up. Yeah. Which was in on reference the to Josh Dacos's posts. Yeah. That man and, uh, and that, there's, 
And that's, you, you nail it. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't have some of these things written down, but I was, I was hoping to touch on them because there's been so much spoken from opposition and particularly Collingwood and their players of Josh Dacos taking the piss out of us night, night. It's Carlton who gives a shit. It's, you know, um, Brayden Maynard on that, whatever that yeah. bullshit thing is. It's the same thing that Edwards from um, Richmond was talking on, talking shit about us being like, oh, yeah, I love Carlton, absolute rabble at the moment. Yeah, they're all playing playing us is, is the grand final and talking about this nonsense. Yeah. And I think they talk about that uh, playing Carlton is our grand final because, honestly, it might be. Because what happens in grand finals? We win. Collingwood, absolutely. <laughs> I think maybe they need to start treating it as, as some sort of occasion. They might actually finally get a W there. Um, but <laughs> it happens. And you, you talk about, you know, I, I absolutely took the piss out of um, Steel Side Bottom having a laugh earlier this season. Yeah. Oh, how many times do we kick it to Darcy Moore? And it's like the lack of respect. This has been something that's been in this competition for ages. And you sense it, you feel it that. They don't respect these boys. They don't respect this club. And to get a win like this against that team that gave us the heartbreak last year, round 23, it's sort of something on it ends up segueing perfectly into the next thing. But this was the big test. And you, and you go into this last quarter, three-quarter time, we're up by 19 points. We've got the lead. It feels eerily similar to round 23, we're 24 points up in that game. And it, and it felt like not to talk too much about that, that game last year, but we just needed that one goal and we probably would have won that game. There was so much feeling in it. And until we exercised those demons, that loss was going to haunt us regardless of whether you wanted to admit that that game still meant something or it did. And it was going to until we held on. So what were kind of your feelings, I guess, at three quarter time going into that last quarter were you confident? Were you nervous? Were you thinking back to that last game? Where were you sort of at going into that final term? Mate, I was I was back in around 23 last year. I think I teleported somehow back in time and I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, not again. Like, please, not again. Um, and I, I was actually sitting with Terry. Um, you know, of course, everyone knows Terry Blue Abroad and um, he was very he was very confident and I looked at him like, are you stupid? Oh, mate. And I was, I was honestly shitting my pants. I was so scared, so scared. And Terry was confident. I was, I was shaking, man. I was everything. And I just thought, please God, if there's anything out there, not again. Uh, and then what are we, we kicked the first couple, did we? That, that, first I think there was that, that quarter. It's that Jesse Motlop goal. Mate, we the hugs I exchanged with Terry, the the screaming like, oh, I think I ripped his nearly ripped his jacket at one point. We were we were going off because that was it. Like you knew yeah. that was it, and um, and it, it was just so good. Like on a playing from a playing point of view, how they just kept playing. They didn't. There was no nervousness. There doesn't. I'm telling you, there's there's just calmness about them now. They, they didn't. They didn't shake at all. And that's that's huge. And 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 look, I obviously can't read their minds, but they didn't forget last year. Yeah, they care. 
they really bloody care. And maybe I mis mistook their silence for lack of care. But clearly not, mate. Clearly not. What about you? Did you were you confident? Were you what? Oh, let me let me have it. <laughs> absolutely not. Like uh, anyone that watched football with me knows that I am like the most nervous person ever. It was it's bought into me yeah, from so. like, my grandparents that they they are the generation that obviously listened on the radio and when they watch it on the TV, they have to turn it off if it gets close and chuck it on the wireless because they can't watch it. They get no stress. <laughs> I feel like that's been built into me where even if probably I didn't have the, the trauma from last year, I probably still would have been nervous anyway. But, you know, they flash up on the screen that, you know, Collingwood, they're the comeback specialist. It's all in the commentary. 12 of their last 16 games, they have won trailing at three-quarter time. And this is what they do. And you're just thinking, okay, we've need, we need to start. And, and there are some stats I have from this game talking about the ability to sort of absorb the pressure. I'm trying to find where I've written this down because, yeah, first quarter, Pies kick the first two goals. We come back, kick two goals, respond, level at quarter time. Second quarter, McCrory kicks the first one. What do we do? We respond, we kick the next four goals. And that was when we really opened this up. Third quarter, Within a minute, Dacos kicks a goal again. It feels like old Carlton crumbles when these things happen, when the opposition get that first goal. Collingwood get the momentum. Fourth quarter, we go out, have the plan to kick the first three goals. I just think was massive to, to really set that tone. And then even when Jeremy Howe kicks those two, and I'll be honest, I was still shitting myself because I was like, of course, now that I've chucked Jeremy Howe forward, he's now kicking him out of nowhere. And I'll, the worst <laughs> part was I was looking at the score and going, fuck, if Collingwood kick just straight goals here, they win this game by a point. And that was then hurting me even oh, more. But it was just straight away from that, he kicks two, we go down, Charlie kicks one. And there was just this ability throughout this game to absorb that pressure. Like in the third quarter, I have this stat again somewhere, 50, inside 50s was 17 to 6. We lost inside 50s in that third quarter. And we outscored them by two points. This is the maturity that I think we're talking about that is so evident in this game. And so in that last quarter to then turn this around and not have this flurry of goals kicked on us to continue the contested pressure around it, that is just something that it sets the tone for us going forward. And I loved the Collingwood supporters on socials afterwards because I've never known a fan base that gives out so much but can't take anything of it. And We've obviously been holding all the receipts after last year and we were dishing it oh, out. Shit. I still felt like I was holding it in because I'm like, it's round 20. There's, it's, it still doesn't maybe mean as much. So I'm, I'm still holding in a couple until we beat him in a final. But for us to get that monkey off our back was, was just, it was massive. And yeah, I just, the socials were going off and I absolutely loved every, every single second of it. <laughs> Right, mate. They are uh, that 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 fan base. I'm going to say here they're pathetic. Mm. Who, who who leaves early when you're top of the ladder? You've barely lost the game all bloody year, and you're leaving early. Mm. Like, excuse me. What? There's mate, one just... club that mm. you think with minutes to go, they'd be confident they could come into it, and you stay to the very end. But no, apparently Collingwood. They can't handle it. 
they cannot handle anything. And and the responses that that I was getting was just laughable. And they were trying to bring out the uh, oh well, guess what? I'll show you the 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 Jamie Elliott goal. Look at this. We still kicked oh, out really? of finals last year. Look at this. And the, the best part about it is I'm laughing at every single thing that they're throwing at us because that game, and I, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself here, so I'm keen to get your thoughts, but round 23 means nothing. It was in the Mate, past, uh, so it doesn't mean anything anyway. But now that we have exercised the demons and we've beaten them in the manner that we did with all the outs, they're playing the best football. They've just beaten the only other contender that the AFL was building up this season. What does that mean anymore? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mate, I, I, I said that exact thing on the, on the fan cam. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Like it that, because they didn't win the flag last year, yeah. that win means nothing at all. It's gone. Poof. We, we've, avenged, we've avenged it. It's never to be spoken about or fucking watched again. Like, who cares? Yeah. That's it. That's bloody it. Um, <laughs> mate, um, uh, like- there's... So yeah, there, there, there's something. Um, so I listened to to an interview from Weedering. Um, I think it was on SCN, and they asked him about the camp. Uh, and uh, he he's pretty much said, "Yeah, we went down there with honest conversations, blah blah blah." But then he, he said something that like I that stuck with me. He goes, "There were some conversations that I didn't like." Mm. So. He's obviously been told that he wasn't good being, you know, performing his role good enough. And if they're telling Wiedering that, who's a leader, then I have full faith in whoever is leading this club because that was something that earlier in the year we didn't think was happening. They're too scared to be honest with each other. They're tip- tiptoeing, you know, eggshells. But I thought that that stuck out and I'm like, wow. Uh, someone's told him, hey, Wieders, lift your game, you've been shit, <laughs> essentially. So I just loved it. And that, that whole rough patch, what was it for? That's the question I've got here. Like, what was it for? Cripper, um, Cripper mentioned something. Uh, I can't remember where, where I saw it. Um, it was probably after the Hawks game or the Gold Coast game. And he's like, he said the phrase, it's not what's happening to me, but mm. why is it happening for me? That's a skipper, mate. Yeah. That's He's relayed that to the whole group. And I, I was very harsh on Cripper. I was getting to the areas that maybe he should give up the captaincy because I just wasn't seeing it. And that's the thing. Like, look, I can't blame anyone for how they were feeling. Mm. Um, oh, you, you can only judge on what you see. And, and I don't begrudge anyone for not wanting to have blind faith anymore. To me, they have to show me. They have to prove it. They have to shove it in my face and say, Jad, shut your mouth. Here it is. And they've done it. And... Cripper, that, that phrase, not why is this happening to me? You can apply this to your life. It's not why it's happening to me. Yeah. Why is it happening for me? What is this meant for? And they've come out the other end of it, mate, and, and they've obviously channeled all that shit that happened into positiveness. We've just beaten the second and first on the ladder, mate. Up the blues. We're here. We've arrived. This is it. In three weeks. It's ridiculous, the turnaround. In, oh, like. So proud. Yeah. Oh. Even even me, who I mean, you were talking about it when we were chatting just before we uh we started recording, saying that I feel like this podcast, me and Lockie, it's spoken about as being like the the more positive side of things, always trying to look for that 
sort of glass half full rather than glass half empty. And I love that that comes across because that's definitely something that I, I feel like we try to push to an extent, obviously try to be realistic as possible. But that challenge, that period this year where we have those six losses in a row, we win what one, it was like one out of like nine games or something ridiculous. And I was at that point as well where I had lost that, just blind, you go and you think we're going to win and you go for it. Yeah, I was still going to the game. The Gold Coast one was big. Dad came down from WA for it, so obviously was always going to go to it. And and that's kind of just me. I feel like I have to be at the game. Even though I know I don't maybe have that effect, I feel like if I yell, if I do something, maybe that will have a 1% that gets them over the line. But even I was questioning everything, thinking that this is – this is it. We're not going to turn this around. I don't have the belief in the leadership, the players. I'm questioning every single part of this football club until, like you, I see something that fixes it. And for them to do it, for them to turn it around and those conversations, like that's such an interesting insight that, you know, they didn't enjoy those conversations. And that is a level of, I feel like maturity is the buzzword of this this episode, but that is something that you maybe haven't expected from these lads. And you talk about the leaders. I felt that in this last quarter, when you need everyone to stand up, but you need your leaders to do it, I thought that that was the impressive part where Chera had dominated that first half. He goes off, Cripper steps up, six disposals in that last quarter, six tackles, four clearances. Those couple of moments where he just come, goes through a pack, has four blokes hanging off him, gets through, gets the clearance. Like Cripper knows the moment and he steps up. You have Doherty puts his body on the line multiple times, gets cleaned up, comes back, does it again the next time. And, and if there's one moment that was my favorite that that game, it was his smother, his block of that Dacos handball when Collingwood is streaming through. Oh. <laughs> his blocks are straight through him. We were doing that all day and that summed it up. And then you even look at Charlie that we've touched on. Three of his six goals come in that last quarter when you need someone down forward to step up. Our leaders, those players that you you hope when there's a moment on this game, they step up. And I could talk about Weeding, I could talk about Nick Newman that we haven't even touched on yet, who was one How of my favorite. I haven't spoken about Nick Newman. <laughs> it's just there's so much to cover in this massive win. All those players that have been there for years that we've all questioned seem to have stood up in this period. And I'm just, I'm so proud that it felt like we're just so, so much more smarter and more composed in this game of football. And, and even like a little moment, I feel like I'm rambling now, but there was one. No, no, you're not. Go, go. Gov passes back to Cottrell in the goal square and Cottrell just does the cheeky fumble through. And yeah. Like, and the smirk. Calling it out a bit of momentum. They were trying to get some goals there and, we finally had the wherewithal to just put one through even after dealing with the March bank free kick where sometimes you feel the Carlton of old would, okay, we've just got to keep the ball alive. We've got to keep it in. We're doing those little things now. And yeah, seeing all these little moments come together that you can pick out throughout this game. It just makes this win bigger than just a round 20 win against Mate. a team in AFL. 
it's massive. I think my, my favourite moment was the the the, uh, the Crips inside 50 to the Motlop goal fourth quarter. Yeah. Dacos, little Dacos, little scared of the contest, Dacos jumps on him. He shrugs him off like a fly. Side bottom comes in, shrugs him off like a fly, bangs the ball forward. Martin, nice little gather, Motlop, front on banana. Don't even know how he kicked it like that. Uh, it was, oh, have you seen that kick? I've seen the behind the goals footage. What, what? It's like, how did that go where you kicked it with the? He, it was like a front on snap. He front on snapped it somehow. I don't, I don't understand this bloke, but um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate! Like that, that, that passage because because like with with Cripper, when they were jumping on him, like those two flogs jumping on him, and he shrugged them off. It was like it's like he's just it's not he's like no, it's not happening today, boys. Yeah. Come at me! It's not happening today. This ball's going forward. You can't come with me. You can't do it. And, um, yeah, there's just so many players, mate. Nick Newman just decided he's bloody elite somehow. Like He's, he's just decided he's going to be a GOAT. Like, well, I don't know what, what what's happened there, but oh, he's like Andrew Mackey, but better. Oh, and, and the best part about this that it always seems to happen to me, and I love it, and I'm, I'm so happy to wear it as the funniest part of this podcast is – Whatever take you have, it's there living forever. Someone can go back and find your worst ever take and it sits there. Like I <laughs> yeah. had a couple of years ago, I said, Kennedy, mid, mid-season mid review, I said, he's done. D-list him, then has the yeah. greatest second half of the season, cements himself into our midfield and now he's a gun. And I said before this season, we are doing best 22s. I still love Nick Newman and I still had him on the cusp, but I didn't have him in my best 22 at the start of the yeah. season, I said, I still think there's a couple of people above him. He has his deficiencies. He's getting a little bit older. He's still, you know, he's, he's getting near that 30. Are there other players taking over his role? And I could not be more happy to put my hand up and say, I'm a fucking idiot and I know nothing about football because Nick Newman is <laughs> all, all Australian form right now. The fact he's not really getting spoken about by anyone outside of Carlton just shows you that the media don't watch enough football or they don't understand it. Oh, no, they don't. Every single thing that Nick Newman does right now is gold, whether it's the defensive effort, the little quick handballs, the intercept marks. He is just another one of those generals down defense that we need these guys to step up and he's just doing it in spades. What have you kind of seen in the shift of Nick Newman this year? Look, with Newey, look, he's 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 always, he was always like a decent kick, right? Yeah. I never really thought he was a bad kick. He's a nice kick. He's he's a competent player from Sydney. And I remember when we got him, I had this Essendon mate who texted me and he's he says that you've just got a pretty handy player. And pretty handy is what I expected. But it's like it's like they've given him more responsibility and he's just thrived. Because he, he he's going up to the back of stoppage now. He's, he's, he's getting some CBAs. He's a real leader. He's just the, the beautiful kick on him. He's just competent. He's always there. He knows where he needs to be. I just love, what, what I've seen him, I'll just love him, mate. He, he, might, he reminds me of Andrew Mackey. When Andrew Mackey was at his best at Geelong, but I think he's more skilled than Mackey ever was. Um, just fantastic. It's so good to have a player like that. We just keep unearthing these blokes. And another one I'll throw back at you. Um, the most old-fashioned footballer I think I've seen in a long time, Chincotta. Yeah, this oh. bloke just mate, like okay, it's not he's not he's not lighting the world on fire, but mm. but you, you you know you know it you know that it you know it when you see it. 
He can use both sides of his feet. Clutch 55-meter bombs, drop punts. Playing his role, always there. I just I love the ricotta. I love what he's doing, mate. Yeah. I love players like that. It's fantastic. What have you, what have you, have you, have you seen something like that in Chincotta that you like? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I feel like that's, that's when I feel like you start to age a little bit as a fan when your favorite players become these guys, the, the guys that are doing those, <laughs> those harder roles. Because I remember seeing a little bit in, in preseason, obviously watching so much of him in, in that VFL year, the year before he gets selected for us. And you're like, yeah, really handy, but. The, the jump to AFL is so much. And because of his age, you're thinking probably not AFL quality. But I remember watching the um, the Carlton Collingwood preseason game and there were just a few moments where he has that burst and he goes through and he hits a target. And then he has the tackle pressure. And you're just thinking if he can get up to the speed of AFL football, he's that perfect. And, and I didn't maybe have him as, as high as he is right now. I had him as that little depth play that if there's an injury to a defender – he can come in and play that back pocket defensive role or he can play as the rebounding halfback. He feels like, in a way, like a little Nick Newman light, where he's that other guy that you can throw in a multitude of those defensive positions and gets his opportunity early in the season. He probably did look like a bit of a VFL footballer where he had little flashes but was a bit slow. But now he's acclimatised. He's kicking goals. He's got a ridiculous foot, whether it's on the run or by set shot. He's got the passion that we've taken that gamble on. Oh, him. I love this. Back to the little, oh, he does it every time. And you, and you hear that interview when he gets selected saying like, I'm going to go to war for you boys. And sometimes you oh. think, are they just saying that? He's not. He's not one of those blokes that just says it. He's there. And no, I've loved what we've seen from a chin cotter. And it's these guys that they're not the first round draft picks that had to fight for it. And, it feels as if the more of these kind of characters we're getting around it, even a Cunningham to an extent now that he's fighting for his career. He knows that his shoulder probably needs surgery and his body's not there. And at any stage he could get another injury and that could be his career done. That maybe has filtered its way in. And maybe there's that part of that conversation. Like you talk about weedering, maybe someone's gone up to him and said, mate, we're not all number one draft pick superstars that everything's just handed to us. Oh, here, you're a leader of this football club. You're a superstar. Now, I've had to fight for it. So you need to pull your finger out and actually do these other little things. You can't just order and bark everyone else around when you're not doing it yourself. And you wonder if those little parts of conversations are had with those people in this football club that have had to scrap for everything. And it feels like we've finally got this nice dynamic of guys that have been the more superstar pin-up boys of the AFL, and now we've unearthing all these more nuggety types. So I just, I just love the, the role players we're, we're bringing through right now. That's such a good point. I didn't even think of that. Um, with lesser like players maybe going up to a Weedering or a Crips and saying to them, hey, you've been a bit selfish here. We, we, all, we all know you're the big dog, but hey, let, let's just become more of a team, service me, feed me. If I'm in a better position, than you can be the, that's a great point. That's probably what's happened, mate. That's probably exactly what's happened. And um, just how much more time we got? Because I, I don't know. I don't know oh, when mate, to stop. It but go um, for as long as we want. I've still got oh, loads. I've still got shit. stuff to go through. There's no Oh, time. beautiful, 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 beautiful. As long as you're all good right. to go, we can keep these going. Yeah. All right, very mate. much known to, <laughs> to ramble on and make these podcasts go for about three hours. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Was, was there well, anything else I'm you sure want to you've... touch on? 
I'm happy to go to vote one, if not. One, one more, one more for you. One more for you. One more. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so, I'm sure you've seen the, the footage of Holland, yeah? Holland's? Yeah. Making that defensive run. And have you seen the Jack Martin one on the other side at the mm. same time? Mate, that, that's, that's system. Yeah. That is just, oh, I, uh, I don't even remember the last time I saw that from any Carlton player. They were pretty much in sync. The same run, opposite ends of the ground, both coming up, coming up, and innocent. That's just, just fantastic. Wonderful coaching, wonderful. It, the, what I love so much from that, from Holland's point of view, was, and it's just so simple, but it's probably what we've been missing on those wings, is if you look, it's just a straight line run. It is so simple. But how mm. many times a player instead get sucked into the contest or see an opposition player and maybe go, oh, maybe I can impact here and get the touch. They're not, it doesn't feel like they're worrying about that anymore. It's my job is to run this straight line and be the option if the play opens up because this is where I need to be. This is where the coaches have said I need to be. And for those two to then have the work rate, to will, to want to run, it sums up that game. And when they get their opportunities, Hollands has just gone back, taken that spoil, gets in it again, and just hits him on the chest just perfectly with a beautiful kick, finds Jack Martin. It's just those little moments that we're enjoying now. And I feel like as a fan base, we've matured as well. Like we still love the the Charlie Kernow kicks from 60, but these are the things that the media team realize that we want to see. The hard running from our players, that's what we enjoy. And it just feels like we've come such a long way all together throughout this season. It's It's been ridiculous. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. It's just the beginning. 100%. So let's jump into the votes. Um, I'll I'll plug it in here. Um, I've got Lockie. I got him in somehow. Tracked him down. Got the international investigators, the private eyes to find him, find where he is in Europe. And we've got a little bit of a video from Lockie to give his thoughts on this game and to give his vote. So if you're watching this on YouTube, it's about to happen. If you're listening in podcast form, it will be playing right now for you. He is the great man, Lockie. G'day, everyone. Hope you've been well. I thought I'd put together just a little snippet because this game definitely deserves it. And I am pretty sad that I'm not able to do the podcast properly with Ian. I think the last one I did was the mid-season episode. And, you know, so a fair bit has happened since then, since we were breaking down the season and, you know, pretty much talking about finals being off the table to where we are now. So um, I've been watching every game on my phone here. I'm in Croatia at the moment, just been going around Europe since then. Um, so I've been watching it, the games on my phone. I'm not going to pretend that I can analyse these games properly uh, watching it on a mobile, but the love is stronger than ever because, yeah, I can't really think of a time where I felt like this about our team in such a long time. Like, there was obviously so many great things last year. Like Ian and I always talk about, like, so many different monkeys that we got off our back. But something that we didn't really didn't do last year was get the dubs over the best teams. Um, and through this stretch, like, we started getting some wins on the board against the weaker teams. The Frio game was obviously a great scalp. Then we get Port and people still don't give us the credit because of the resting and the injuries and whatever. But then this game is just like <laughs> that massive tick. And I was still so stressed watching this game, sitting in the airport on my phone, but God, just the love that I have for this group is just so immense. Every single one of these 
players. It just makes me so happy seeing all of their faces. The way that they celebrated after the game, the relief on their faces, like it just, it's just another monkey off our back, I think, on the way to us getting that number 17. So I believe that it's soon. Never stop believing, um, as you guys all know. And we said that we'd turn it around and we have. Um, and I believe that we can keep going from here. So um, Ian's doing a fantastic job with the pod. I've been listening to every single one. Um, keep the guests coming. Um, I'll chat to you all soon. It's been some time since I've given my votes, but I'll chuck them in anyway in case Ian wants to use them. You're welcome, mate. Um, Charlie for three, obviously. Uh, even though there's so, so many blokes that I want to give votes to and so many guys that were outstanding, like, it just... Yeah, kicking six like that against more... Um, after people, non-Galton people belittled his 10 because it was against West Coast and, you know, that he was going to be an unworthy common winner and all that, um, he just went bang. So, you know, we couldn't have done it without that. Weedering for the two votes, I think just unbelievable. This form that he's in compared to where he was at the start of the season, we can't, like, talk about that enough, I don't think. Um, and then uh, it's got to be Ian's man, Nick Newman for the one. It's crazy the season that he's put together as well. One of the most underrated guys in the entire league, I would have thought. So that's me. So I hope you enjoyed his bit of insight there. It was absolutely unreal. The magic of editing means that that has gone right there. If I remember, it'd be pretty embarrassing if we get to the the end of this and there was just a pause because I haven't put it in. But no, we love the great Lockie. But I need to see, and I need your votes, Jad, because we love to do a bit of a tally at the end of the year. And I'm keen to see where you line up with what we've been doing. Who did you give your three, two, and one votes to this week? Uh, it's hard. Look, three to Charlie. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. Um, speaks for itself. Uh, two. Look, mate, I'm going to go far out. I'm, I'm going to go Jack Martin. Yeah. Sorry if that's too left field, but. No, no, the, the, the work he's doing, the, the, the selflessness, he's, he's become dead eye dick in front of goal now. Mm. Um, fantastic. And then the one, it's going to go to Jacob. Yeah. Just think he's fully back now. He's in his own. They weren't getting through him at all. Just bullied them. Mm. Fantastic. No, really good votes. It's so hard to pick it just down to three. Potentially next year we might have to put this out to a, a five Four, three, two, one. Because mm. so I want to throw into it because Jack Martin's a snub for me. But I think I mentioned on the on the Blue Broad fan cams. Big shout out to them that he's probably one of my favourite players to watch right now. Which feels weird to say with a guy like Charlie Kerno sure. in there with so many superstars. But just the little movements of Jack Martin excites me. But I've given the one vote to Jacob Weedering because of just the the commanding defence, the organisation. It's every little thing from him. It's the difference between him and a Darcy Moore. Weedering can take the intercept marks, but he knows how to lock down on an opposition defender mm. and actually defend them, take the spoils, do the simple things. Um, he gets the one. Two I gave to Nick Newman because I thought he was just everywhere and stepping up when we needed him to. And the threes, obviously, for Charlie. You, you can't go past six goals against Collingwood in a massive, massive game of football. Um, and the, the tally, the thing that people want to hear, I'll give you... Fifth to first as it stands. Got a few rounds to go. 
And it is ridiculously close right at the pointy end. In fifth at the moment with 13 votes, votes is Jacob Wiedering sliding through there. At fourth with 18 is Nick Newman. What a season he's having. In third with 23 votes is Sam Walsh. Him being out at the moment means a lot of movement could be happening around there. And then we've got a tie currently in first with 35 votes each. It's Charlie Curnow and it's Adam Chera. This is the first week that Charlie Curnow has moved into the double one spot, tying Adam Chera. Someone that if he played the full game, probably would have had the three himself. Stiff not to get it at the time of recording. It's been said that he's got a bit of a, a strain to that hamstring will be gone for that two to three, similar to Sam Walsh. Leaves it open. Can Newman make a, a quick run home? Can Charlie hold on? It's going to be very exciting to see who takes home the medal this year. But we've kind of danced around this a little bit. And I was maybe going to take the question away because we we're running long, but let's go for it. What's changed so far from the poor six-week run to this amazing six-week run. I've kind of asked all the guests that I've had on this question because I'd love to get a different insight from every single person. There's seemingly been a bit of a different response and just kind of getting wanting to know what you think has been and led to the turnaround from us sitting bottom four to now, holy shit, we might be able to make finals and do some damage in finals. What has kind of been the big drivers of change um, of the form that you've seen and where do you think that this is this is all stemmed from? Look, outside looking in, man, I can only like kind of relate it to my own experiences sort of thing. But I think it's all it's all probably changed when they started being honest with each other. I think that's yeah. what it stemmed from. I think the players honest with each other. I think they were honest with the coaches. The honor mm-hmm. the coaches were honest back to them. I think they weren't afraid to tell each other, hey, this is shit. Change it. This is not how we want to play. And then maybe the coach was a bit back with, well, you're not really, you're not doing what we want. So, of course, maybe that's the reason why it's shit. I think it just stems of genuine honesty. And now, now they've all, I reckon they've all, you have bonds with people. And I think like the difference between a really good friend and a stranger or someone that you just meet on a night out is honesty. You know each other. You're not afraid to say what needs to be said. And going off Wiedering's words, you know, oh, he had some conversations that he didn't like himself. I think that's I think that's what's happened. Just pure honesty. It's interesting that you also point out the conversation with the coaches. I think that's something that probably gets overlooked quite a, quite a lot because there's clearly been a big change and shift in the way that we are playing Lech Dog last week was quick to bring up a couple of different elements of how we seem to be changing defensively and and bringing the line up a little bit more and winning the ball higher up the ground as well to start that rebound. And it's you look at Vossi, you know, coaching. The the club can say all they want, but he's he was coaching for his career. He loses that Gold Coast game. He loses yeah. the Hawthorne game. Probably curtains. And so he has to look at himself and say, well, what do I want to do? Is this how we want to play football. Is this how he wants to communicate with his players? And I think, I think you've probably nailed it. I think that that's where, if I can nail it down to one thing, that's what I'm thinking as well, is that honesty in those chats and the conversations in needing to trigger this buy-in from every single person to be aligned. And it's, it's such an interesting discussion. I can't wait for maybe in a few years to truly find out what's been the, 
what's been the driver, what was said in these things that have turned it. And hopefully it is for a bigger reason because we end up winning a flag. But I turn now to the listener questions. We've got a fair few from the listeners, so let's get into it. We've got one here from Adrian Salerno, big Soge, the newsbreaker himself on this podcast, always finding a new bit of information that we love to see. He says, we're currently the number one offensive side in the league over the past four weeks. In hindsight, do you think those losing weeks actually served us for the better? I do feel it was a real discovery phase for us, and now the boys can see it like when Neo could see the Matrix. And it's been a bit of a question I've asked at times as well. Do you feel like we needed this to change? We needed that bad six weeks? Or I guess has that kind of six weeks been a bit of a waste of time in us losing all of those games to kind of piggyback onto Big Soldier's question? No, it, it, this what right now does not happen without those six weeks, and it's it sucks that we have to endure that, but mm. it doesn't happen without it. Look, look what it led to: conversations I didn't like, weathering, um, that camp at the Kernos. Uh, look, mate, Cripper, he, he he said it. It's not why is it happening to me; it's why is it happening for me. So. We, we, I think we're blessed that we've got good leaders who are able to t- channel it in the right way. So, no, it, it, that six weeks, if that didn't happen, we're not sitting here right now so happy and uh, mm. cloud nine. So it's, no, yeah, 100%. No, I love it. Great response. Uh, next one we have from, and I'm going to botch the pronunciation of this uh, Twitter handle here. It is Makami Day, I believe it is, 32, asks, I could feel the hurt from last year's game and our boys using that to our advantage. Do you think that the one-point loss is the thing to get us through this final series? I certainly have played that game throughout this week. What are your thoughts? Do you feel like this the failure of that is helping to drive the, the fact that they know how quickly things can turn? You see them now in that kind of... I guess, end of a game, learning on how to hold on and not just falling behind. Do you feel like they, they're drawing from that or do you think it is from other areas? No, look, they're human. They'd have to draw off it, wouldn't they? No one, no one wants to go through that ever again, um, especially to, to the filth. So once again, everything happens for a reason and we're just happy we've got good people there who are able to channel it in the right way. Like, I don't know what more what more I can say, but, yeah, 100%. They, they didn't forget. Let, let's put it that way. They did not forget. No way. Didn't they kept forget. those receipts That's deep down. Oh, <laughs> Jesse didn't forget. Nah, 100%. No one forgot. Yeah, good. I think it's a good thing. We, I wish it would have come at that stage, that at the end of that is when the conversation stemmed, when they realised what it took and that they were able to build the confidence off them, but... It's a journey. It's not just going to happen straight away. I'm glad it seems to have turned. And it goes straight to this next question from from Soros Boy who says, and I have to give big credit to Lockie throughout this period as well because he says, I think it was around around round nine or ten, Lockie said something along the lines of, I wouldn't be surprised if suddenly everything just clicked and we turned it around. So how good does it feel that we have turned it around and – and I just want to jump in again before I ask the question. It's it's what I seem to do on this thing. But I have to be, give a big shout-out to Lockie throughout this period because after that Essendon game, through the mid-season review, I was in that dark place of, I don't think these boys can turn it around. 
And even though it felt like it was at that point where it could click at any instance, I was losing the faith and, and Lockie was the, the main driver on this podcast as that voice of keeping that positive flame. So big credit to him in, in never really completely losing the faith and being able to keep me sane through that period because it was tough and it was hard to, to just think that things would turn around. Um, but yeah, I just got to ask, how does it feel that things are finally looking good for us? So I wish you would have messaged me when he was giving you that, giving you that positivity, mate. I was down well. I was in the, the pits of despair. Like there was no way back. How does it feel? How does it feel? Are you kidding me, mate? I've barely slept since Friday. Yeah. It feels incredible, and it's just vindication. It's mm. it's Carlton people. You didn't go through that six years for nothing. And people who aren't Carlton supporters can watch this and they can say that's an overreaction, blah, 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 but I don't give, I don't care. Yeah. It's true. And you'll, they'll see in the coming years. They'll see. They know we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> they're smelling what the blues are cooking. That's, that's all I'm saying. But no, like, it does. It feels from the outside so dramatic to look at this win in isolation and just say, well, you still might miss out on finals. You still haven't sewn that up, everything in it. But we have not had this win of significance. It goes back to what we were talking about at the start of this episode of the doubts that were put on this six run of games that we've won of West Coast, whatever. It was this team, whatever. Port, rest of players. There was always something. You can't have that with this. This was the team that gave us the hurt, the team that we had to overcome. This was the one. And to do it in the manner like you were talking about, the way the performance was, it's why this means so much. And for us to go through so much heartache, it's it's that reminder of why you do it. These are the games. This is what it is to just go on social media or find your mates and just absolutely give it to them and give it back because of everything. It's the fun part of it. And if Collingwood supporters can't handle it, well, give it to them twice as much. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um Got a great question here from the great Timmy Dub, who says, "What are some stats that can that confirms our defensive unit is just superb? They are absolutely humming at the moment. Not sure if you have any stats, or just any insight into talking about the great defensive unit right now." Uh, look, I don't have I don't have any stats in front of me to be honest, but just on the eye test, um, like I mentioned to you before, the way Wheatering is now screaming at people. Get in your bloody position. That just shows you that they've all got they've all got that clarity. You know that that connection. They always talk about connection. That back six knows exactly what to do, when to do it. Sard's got the ball. I run here. Weedering's got the ball on his on his right foot. I go here. Back, but like they they they're just connected. And the defense is so. It's just it's the sum of its parts. Though that's what it's it's the team that's making it that's making it tick. There's, there's just doesn't look like there's any ego there anymore. So, but no, I don't have any stats. But that's just the mm. eye test, mate. I don't know. Do you have any yeah. any stats there? I do have a couple that I, I looked up because of this question. Um, but you nail it as well. Talking about like we've had Boyd through there. Trincotta's been in and out of that as well. Caleb Marchbank steps up, and it it feels again this this next man up mentality. Doesn't matter who you throw into that structure. It works and you find different little things. Now, Marchbank adds a bit more intercept that maybe allows 
someone else to step up and play a slightly different role. And there's just so much to it. And, and I had a bit of a look because I saw on Twitter that Nathan Buckley threw out some stats saying that over the last six weeks, our defense is ranked in the top four. Now I'll, I'll have to talk shit about Nathan Buckley here. He didn't say we were ranked number four. He said we were ranked in the top four, which feels weird. A weird wording. I assume it means top four. It means number four. Otherwise, you would have said we're the third ranked. But thanks for not giving me the clarity Ooh. in things. Champion data hidden behind some sort of paywall that we're not allowed to access. Stats there, Nathan Buckley. But I think what's also impressive from those stats is that if we're ranked number four for defense over the same six week period, we're ranked number one in offense. So the fact that we've been able to have that balance that drives everything is really interesting to look at. And then I did a bit more of a deep dive to maybe not look at the defense as, as a whole, but the team and, and looking at just raw tackle numbers because you look at the pressure that I feel like has built this whole team defense to allow the back six or seven to really utilize their game. The last six weeks in our wins, we have averaged 70.2 tackles per game. When you look at the six weeks prior in those losses, we averaged 53.3 tackles per game. 70 tackles a game. Yeah. It is ridiculous. In that that have thrown it out there, there was a a Hawthorne game where there was 87 tackles and and things like that. That sort of bumps things up. But in those games, we had 64, 62, 67, 72, 87, 69 in our tackles. And, when you wow. look at it as well, I'll go a little bit deeper. Gold Coast game will plus 18 tackles, plus five tackles inside 50. Hawthorne plus seven tackles. Frio lost the tackle count by three, but inside 50 tackles, plus 11. Port plus two mm-hmm. tackles. West Coast plus 18, and then plus three inside 50. And then Collingwood, it's plus 10, and then plus six inside 50s to rattle ridiculous numbers off. That's impressive to me because these are games we have dominated the possession. We've dominated the game and the outcome. So to do that and win the tackle count in them by those big numbers, it just shows you this buy in the pressure. For me, that just stems across the board of why we're playing so well and why the defense is holding up. And, and just one, one quick one on that. Um, look at the inclusion of Marchbank. He yeah. hadn't played for how long? I was a bit worried when I saw him on the show. Yeah. And they just plug and play him in the defense and it was seamless. I've never yeah. seen that with a Carlton side. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just that, yeah. Take a lot out it of that too. It's beautiful. Uh, good that you bring that up. Uh, we've got a couple of questions left. One from Super Bad who asks, What are you boys doing in September? Camping at the G, baby. <laughs> That's oh. it. Getting a tent. Anyone recommend any tents? I'm going to have to sleep outside. Yeah, anyone work at like an anaconda or something that can hook us up with a bit of a discount? Get us the, the free tents or what are we doing here? Get Maybe us- Blue Corner sponsorship. Let's go. <laughs> please, please. I'll, I'll take anything at this stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, hit us up at yeah. Navy Blue Corner. Get the email, yeah. the Navy Blue Corner at gmail.com. Links are everywhere. Hit us up if you do want to sponsor. We are more than happy to, but... I love the the September question because it makes me realize that maybe there's that bit of vindication because the start of the year was booking a bit of a holiday was originally meant to be July. And I went, no, footy's on. This is how Mm, sick I am. Lockie Lockie can take a step back and be like, no, I'm going to enjoy Europe over summer. 
I can still come back and, mm. and make sure I'm there. But even him, he's like, I've got to be back for September. I've got to be back for finals. And me looking at the holiday, I had to book it for mid-October going, I can't. No, no, no. We, if we play finals, I've got to be there. I've got to see it happen. So that's, yeah. that's how nothing you get on this podcast that we're booking our Mate, you can go overseas whenever you want. You can go whenever you want. You know, if you miss a finals, our first ever finals, you know, appearance, you'll never, you'll never forgive yourself. Just yeah. stay right here. You just sit down, get a cup of tea, get a tent, meet me at the G, get our tickets. Done. And speaking of tents, We've got a good one here from Tim Gigantor who says, can we all have a barbecue at Ed's place? Can this happen? <laughs> in the flag. Are we going to Ed's? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Mate, well, what, are, what hard truths are we going to label at each other? Mate, your lighting, going to tell you, your lighting sucks. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. <laughs> nah, kidding. It's not good. It's not good. If you see it, it's a big Ikea lamp that just goes straight at the wall and bounces it off. And it's it doesn't do me good. I don't have the the, the three triple settings that you were able to, to show. Oh mate, this thing is elite, isn't it? Look at that, all the different colors. Nah, I'm only joking. If you're able to sponsor this podcast, there'll be funds in. I can afford some new lights. This is what it's about, upping the production value. But those are the hard truths that need to come out. But yeah, Ed, <laughs> we win the grand final. Every single member, we're coming to yours with tents and we're going to have a lovely, lovely time. Um, and last question, which again, the, the listeners, they're smart. They're very smart people because they somehow are able to segue parts of the run sheet that I hadn't even written yet. They just knew where I wanted to go with things. And the great Paul Barbaza gets oh, Paul, shout in out. the right place. He asked four weeks left. Will they make it all count for something? Because I want to talk about the run to finals. we got four games to go. We've won six in a row. It looks like we only need two of the last four. Don't think that that's the mentality we need to have, but those are just the raw numbers. Got a few questions. I'll spit at you. Answer them whenever you want. Feel free to let me hit them back up to you if you forget them, but... Do we make top eight? How do we make the top eight? What needs to happen for us to make finals? And how much do you believe that we can make finals? I believe we can 100% make finals. Not even a question. What do I think needs to happen? Um, we have to beat St Kilda which yep. is what I am. You People can come at me. I'm very, very worried and I'm very nervous about this freaking club, this team that is St Kilda. Um, in my mind, we beat them. We're going to make it. Like It's done. Beat them, we're in. Because, yeah. what, Melbourne, we can beat Melbourne. Even if we lose to Melbourne, we've got Gold Coast up there. We've got GWS. The, the mentality of this group says to me that they're not going to let it slip this time. Mm. It's just it's not going to happen. But I, but the Saints game, mate. That's um, I'm already thinking about it, and I'm I'm getting a bit I'm getting a bit nervous. Yeah, it's God. I hate St Kilda, and it was funny. Oh, I, did a match build up last time, and the old the old Saints TV coming into the comments, letting us let me know that they hate us as well. So it's good to know that they listen and. 
that will give us an extra couple of views. And even on the <laughs> review show, I had some St Kilda supporters in the comments. So thanks for the engagement. Thanks for upping the views on YouTube. Really appreciate that. Definitely helps the channel out. But they just are something. I feel like they ruined my childhood by pumping us every single time with the big G train and Nick Rewalt kicking. I swear they kick like oh. 10 inch every single time. But there's something about that mob that every single time we play them, they turn it on. And they've got such annoying nothing footballers that have their best game every yeah. single time. Nice. Now memory looks like he's going to be good to play. King's back for the game. It just happens every single time. But I kind of agree with you. We kind of need this momentum to carry on. As much as I, I agree with you, I believe we'll make finals. This group is going to get it done. There is that element of if we drop the St. Kilda game, then you got the Melbourne game and then do doubts creep in. Then are there question marks again going, oh, no, it's the same scenario. We need to win, you know, one of the next two or whatever it ends up being. We need to win both of the games. Feels like the momentum just needs to keep going. And that's that's how I'm feeling right now. I've just got this weird feeling that we beat St. Kilda. We beat Melbourne. I think it's Gold Coast next. I feel like we lose that game because we've just worked so hard, pushed ourselves to the brink to get us in that position. And then we'll have that one week where we're just exhausted because we're, we're making sure that this is secured. And then we go out last round, get the W. That's my weird, bold prediction. But I think there is, again, it turns to that next game, the, the, the we go again mentality, the Paolo we move. That's what it's about. <laughs> Say now quickly, it shifts from the Colony game straight to the next one right now. Yeah. Um, especially against these pricks, mate. I'm so sick of Tim Membry having his freaking day out against us. So over it. So over their footballers who look like they work at bloody Aldi thinking that they're AFL footballers and they think that freaking, oh, I'm, just, I'm just over them. They need to be put to, the sword needs to be put to him. But what worries me is Ross Lyon. I just think he's such such a good, good, good defensive mind, defensive coach. I think he's going to make it hard for Vossi to penetrate penetrate their defence. But you know what? Like, I don't know anything, mate. I'm enough. We're all enoughs. Like, maybe we – I've just spent the last hour saying how much we've changed and now I'm worried about St Kilda. I'm such a – I'm a bloody hypocrite. Maybe it's just my fear, the PTSD. I don't know. But I'd love nothing more than for us to come out and just win comfortably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We will see. Uh, last question before we wrap this up. Do you have any quick changes for this week with Chera's injury? Are you making any bold moves this week? What are you sort of looking at right now? I know it's very early in the week. It's Monday night. There's still mm. a lot to happen. Have you thought much about the team changes or what replacement you're making? Adam Chera right now? No, look, not really. I mean, I think it's a it's a straight swap for Dow because mm. um, he's the only person who's fit at the moment. Unless Moss wants to go left field and chuck Newman in there, mm. could happen. But you know, I've got a sneaky feeling, mate. I've got a sneaky feeling that there's one um, SW SW sitting there, Sammy Walsh. I think he's. I think that strain's feeling pretty good right now. Mm. Nine he, day break. He's a freak of nature, as we all know. I, I, I don't what, know. There's a. I read way too much into Sam Walsh, and I don't know if you heard this or thought the same thing. They they interviewed him at, at one of the end of the quarters, talking about something, 
And this just sums up his mentality, I think, over so many others. And it's why he's got the natural ability, but he goes that step above, becomes superstar of the game. They asked him about the injury and he was like, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can finally, that's the day I can run. And it feels like I can, I'm actually doing something and I'm not just you know, being lazy was what he was kind of saying. And it's like, that is the mentality of someone that's going to get back before they were diagnosed with the injury. Hey, when was this? When was that interview? It was, it was, I think it was like, it was a quarter time or half time. They asked him like how he's feeling. And he, he said, he's like, oh, I think it's going to be that two to three week at just the standard. But he was like, yeah, got a running session tomorrow. Finally keen to jump in because I could finally feel like I'm doing something. I'm not just sitting around doing nothing. So if he's already back with at least a bit of a running session on Saturday, last Saturday. Stranger things have happened. Oh, <laughs> Am I hopping it up too much? Nah, I'm the same as you, mate. We're both hopeless. I'm I'm This is a sneaky feeling, mate. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, absolutely He's love back. it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in. He's in. Um, but look, thanks, thanks so much, Jad, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I need to get you on again, especially when Lockie's back. We'll make sure that you are on throughout. The remainder of this podcast as we keep going at the Navy Blue Corner. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, before we go, where can the people find you and get into contact with Jad if they want to keep up with everything about you? Um, yeah, just Twitter. Uh, what is it? At Jad Jahari, Facebook, all those all those things. I'm sure you you can find it. I don't know. If, I'm happy to um, – look, I'm not really big on the socials, mate, but like – I love I love meeting new Carlton people and having chats and getting different perspectives. My DMs are always open, so anyone wants to chat footy or tell me I suck or whatever, I'm I'm all for it, mate. Like uh, I love the Blues, I love our fan base, hmm. just loving it, loving it. We're all uh, on this journey together. It's about to get really bloody good too. So yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, boys. Hundred percent. Love it. Yeah, look, and links to, to Jad's Twitter or X or whatever. Elon Musk is going to goddamn change that thing to <laughs> Next will be in the show notes, will be in the description. Um, and he is there every single week. Um, whether we win or lose, which i got to commend you with, um, on the fan cams on Blue Abroad, giving his a little bit of opinion, which, as I said, it's one of my favorite parts of the fan cams, hearing what Jad has yeah. to say. Thanks, um but yeah, that is going to wrap up this episode. Again, we'd love to talk about this win forever. We almost have, but got to move on to the next one. The job isn't done. But in saying that, Baggers, enjoy this win because this one was absolutely special. And we'll be back talking about another big win over the Saners this time next week. Again, big thanks to Jad for joining me. Up the bloody Baggers. Up the boy. Up the Baggers.